Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. This is My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Live from downtown Las Vegas, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. This is My Guys in the Desert. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Thursday. I cannot deal with all of the drama that is going around in sports right now, whether it's the Antonio Brown, Bruce Arians, he said, she said situation, Aaron Rodgers and the MVP voter. How about Charlie Batch offering Caleb Williams a million dollars to go to Eastern Michigan? Speaking of millions of dollars, Mattress Mac is back to laying 1.2 on the Alabama Crimson Tide to win the national championship. We'll talk about that game and more when Aaron Moore joins the program a little bit later. Talk a little college hoops with him as well. Got some key matchups in the NFL Week 18 regarding L.A. teams, Chargers, Raiders, as well as Rams 49ers. So we'll have Danielle Alvari of the L.A. City cast join us. And at the end of the hour, everybody's favorite odds-on host. Oh, don't tell Lamar I said that. I hope, I hope Amal Shaw doesn't get upset. But Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa, is going to join us at the end of the hour as well. Five remaining contestants in the Circa Survivor Contest. So Mike will give us the lowdown on all things Circa Millions and Survivor. But as we always do to start the show off on a high note, let's dive into our top five stories, things you need to know that impact us from the betting perspective. Lots of COVID-19 news to get us going, as if Week 18 wasn't hard enough to handicap, right? Cowboys star rookie linebacker Micah Parsons is not going to travel to the Eagles game this Saturday after being placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Left tackle Tyron Smith as well as corner Anthony Brown. Also added today, but the team hopes that all of them will be back and as healthy as can be at full strength come wild card round next week. Parsons tweeted that he would be back even more hungry. Cowboys are five and a half point road favorites in Philly and expected to play all of their available starters. Head coach Mike McCarthy saying we're going to play to win the game. That's the best thing for us. The Steelers will likely be without their most prolific wide receiver as Deontay Johnson was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list as well. Also added center Kendrick Green. Um, Steelers are six-point dogs in Baltimore in what everybody's largely believing will be Big Ben's final game as a Steeler. In Johnson's absence, Chase Claypool, James Washington, and Ray Ray McLeod will presumably see most of the work at wide receiver. Johnson clearly Big Ben's number one read on a near-every-snap basis, however, so not having him on the lineup will dramatically affect how that offense operates. Uh, get the ball to Najee. What a day he had on Monday night. We'll see how he does against the Baltimore stingy run defense. Lamar Jackson also still not practicing. Finally, in the COVID news, Bears quarterback Justin Fields just a day removed from being announced the starter coming back from that ankle injury. He's on the reserve COVID-19 list now as well. Andy Dalton 
who led the charge for the 29-3 stomping of the Giants this past week, is expected to get the start again with Nick Foles as his backup. Bears plus five and a half in Minnesota, but a, Minnesota, but a tough way for the rookie to end his less-than-ideal first season already. 1,870 yards, seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the year, and 10 starts and 12 appearances. 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan said he still hasn't determined who will start at quarterback this week in the NFC West Divisional matchup, Jimmy Garoppolo or the rookie Trey Lance. Um, Garoppolo practiced yesterday for the first time in a limited capacity, and he said he's doing everything he can to be out there for this game. But he also said that the thumb isn't feeling that great to throw on when he was asked by a reporter what it feels like. Take a listen to his response. Jimmy, what does it feel like to throw with the torn ligament in your thumb? Is it a combination of pain and a lack of control? What does it feel like? It, it hurts. <laughs> it, uh, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it feels like the web in your hand is kind of tearing a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the best way I could describe it, but, you know, it's, it's all good. Well, well, that doesn't sound ideal. Uh, if you're a 49ers fan or backer like myself this week, Niners plus four, four and a half at L.A. this week. Uh, Rams linebacker Von Miller said he expects to see both Lance and Garoppolo. Uh, Kyle Shanahan saying even for whether he did decide and make the decision or not, he wouldn't reveal who would start for competitive advantage reasons. The Nets overcame a 19-point deficit last night against the Pacers in Kyrie Irving's first game back on the floor, but it was a brutal beat if you had the Nets minus 8.5 or minus 9. They were up 10 with 7 seconds to play, had a shot clock violation, and Indiana's Ahmad Kaver scores a meaningless layup on the other side to cover for the Pacers. In his return performance, Irving showed some rest, don't get me wrong, but did put up 22 points in his season debut, went over his 19.5 points prop, by the way. Brooklyn's big three scored or assisted on 58 of the team's 69 second-half points. The Nets return home for a pair of games this weekend, but since Kyrie's unable to play in home games, he will not be up until Monday, January 10th, when the Nets face Portland. And that's going to do it for our top five, but there's still a lot of news for us to get to um, with maybe a little bit of a less immediate betting impact. Um, still important nonetheless. In the segment, we're calling good news or bad news. So we're going to look at a couple of headlines and see for fans or backers of a certain ticket whether or not we think this headline is good or bad for you. And we're going to start with that Aaron Rodgers saga situation with the MVP voter who came out and said that he's certainly not voting for the Packers quarterback to win the MVP this year because he is, quote, the biggest jerk in the league and a bad guy. So those comments came from Hub Arkush, a Chicago-based reporter who has one of the 50 Associated Press votes for the MVP award. Um, and before I let you know whether I think this is good news or bad news, let's hear Aaron Rodgers' response to Arkush's comments. I think he's a bum. You know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or – the biggest jerk in the league. Cause he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. So, okay. Rogers minus 400 right now to win the league's MVP. And I have to tell you, I think this is the best thing that could have happened if you are an Aaron Rodgers MVP ticket holder for him right now. Because whether Arkush or any voter has those feelings or not, 
you shouldn't make them public, right? Like, so now this narrative that's already been preconceived about about how voters might feel in terms of his off-the-field choices of not being vaccinated, being immunized, whatever it is, is now confirmed, right? So I could very easily see voters that were perhaps on the fence thinking, well, now if Aaron doesn't win, it's because we, the media, have a vendetta against Aaron Rodgers for his vaccination status. And that's all we talked about. So Rodgers, C minus 400, Tom Brady right there at plus 500. A lot of talk going to Brady for the things that he's been able to pull off, especially without the offensive attrition that they've faced with the missing pieces, the injuries. Um, Chris Godwin, of course, done for the season. Now he's not going to be available in the postseason. Even a brutal game against the Jets the other day that he's able to make a miraculous pass and seal up the win that ultimately probably shouldn't have been. I have said for a while now, I think that Rodgers should be the MVP personally. Um, his team has the best record. He's thrown 35 touchdowns and two interceptions since week one. Two interceptions since week one of the season. Like, soak that in for a second. Um, he's also overcome all of the outside noise, overcome offensive line injuries, down to a third-string left tackle, the worst special teams unit in the league. I think this is great news that this situ situation happened for Aaron Rodgers to repeat as MVP. I think he wins it minus 400 for a reason. Another headline, the Cleveland Plain Dealer reports it seems likely the Browns will decide to upgrade at quarterback this offseason, brought up the friction between Baker and head coach Kevin Stefanski having boiled over. Baker feels that Stefanski's play calling didn't always put him in a position to succeed. The list goes on and on. Baker has since come out on Twitter calling the report clickbait, and it's just media starting drama. So if you're a Browns fan, is moving on from Baker good news or bad news if this report is true? I'm kind of on the fence about it, to be honest. Baker isn't for everybody, <laughs> obviously. Um, and the fact that he had such a quick emotional response on Twitter to this report kind of leads you to believe that it probably is true and they might be looking at other avenues. But my question is, I don't really know where you go. Um, I get that his numbers dipped and that he had an injury-riddled season and his goal coming into this year was to earn the big contract, and clearly he didn't do that. Um, but I don't know necessarily what other options you, you really have with his $19 million guaranteed in this fifth year um, you'd need to trade him, but who are you getting? You're not a team that's in the running for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson. I, I personally just, I don't think you bail on him yet, me. That's just me saying that. Um, I think they have so much at the skill positions um, to be successful where I don't know if you need an upgrade at the quarterback position if he recovers from his surgery and comes back healthy. Um, I think up front is where you need to upgrade. You need to have a good offensive line. You need to have a good defensive line. So that's for me. Last one here real quickly. The Athletic has reported rumblings from both the NFL side and at Michigan and Ann Arbor that Jim Harbaugh might be tempted to leave the Wolverines and return to the NFL. And if you are a fan who needs a coach, this is excellent news for you. If you're the Raiders, you're the Jags, you're the Bears, and Jim Harbaugh is a potential option to be your head coach. You should be thrilled as a 49er fan, somebody who saw him bring my team a lot of success. 44-19-1 in four years with the San Francisco 49ers, three NFC championship appearances, a Super Bowl appearance. Um, I know he's a polarizing guy, but very, very effective when he was in the NFL. He's known as a quarterback whisperer. Any of those teams could use one of those. Um and he's one of those rare college coaches that has worked at the next level. He's accomplished what he needed to at Michigan, beat Ohio State, obviously didn't get to the promised land national championship this year. But realistically, how far is Michigan going to go for Jim Harbaugh? I think the NFL makes a ton of sense. 
Um, if there's anybody that can go to a team and change a culture, I think it's Jim Harbaugh. Um, if you missed any of, if you're if you're listening to us now and you think that you might not be able to hang on for the entire hour, but you want to catch up, have no fear. VEASAN podcasts are here. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. You just got to go to VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can get My Guys in the Desert, Feeding the Book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, so much more. They're all free and available right now at VEASAN.com slash podcast. And again, wherever you get your podcasts, it's so easy to do. When we come back, I'm going to challenge some teams and players in the NFL to be better in week 18. And our girl, Danielle Alvari, we're talking all things L.A. on the other side. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on v the Sports Betting Network. Rolling along here on My Guys in the Desert, but if you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered as well. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCast design to tackle sports betting from that local perspective. There are CityCast in Chicago, Detroit, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., Denver, and L.A. Speaking of which, Danielle Alvari on the show momentarily. A host of the Denver City cast, Holden Kushner, will be donating $100 for every 500 downloads of today's City cast to a local animal shelter after the devastating wildfires in Colorado last week. It's for a really great cause, so please 
download and help out. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. And as we do every Thursday on the program, time to challenge some NFL teams and players to be better. It's the final week of the regular season. Show me what you got. Taylor Heineke, we're starting with you. Real talk, if there's any hope for you to legitimately be in consideration for this job next year, prove you're a starting quarterback, you can't end the year with five straight losses, including to the lowly Jake Fromm-led Giants. Four interceptions to a two-touchdown ratio over the last three games, including a 50% completion percentage, 11 sacks over the last three games. It ain't going to do it. And I know you've got some incentives on the line this week. You take 60% of the snaps and get a win $125,000 in the bank, my friend, for a guy who this time last year was on the practice squad. You want that cash money. Carson Wentz, I'm looking at you too, pal. I know you didn't practice all of last week due to COVID-19 and you played rusty as hell in a loss to the Raiders. Had Wentz, who started the game 0 for 4 passing, collected 45 of his 148 total pass yards on a deflected touchdown reception to T.Y. Hilton that easily could have been interception. Let's be, an interception, let's be honest. He would have played marginally well. That playoff spot would already be locked up and wouldn't have to come down to this wonky game with the Jaguars, who you have not beat as a team since 2014. Crush them for your own sake, Carson. Last one, 49ers, you're my team. I need you to win and get into the playoffs. Don't leave this up to the Saints. Quarterback status, we know, still TBD. But if it is Trey Lance, well, I know he helped secure the win against the Texans last week. The one thing I worry about with him is that in both of the starts that he's had this season, they have only combined for three offensive points in the first half of either of those games. You can't have such a slow start against an L.A. Rams team that's hungry to win this division. Um, they could be anywhere from a two seed to a five seed. You know they want to lock up the highest spot they possibly can. They haven't had their way against the 49ers, though. Um, so let's continue this conversation with Danielle Alvari, who we bring in from the L.A. City cast, because Danielle, two of the biggest games on the card in the NFL this week have L.A. ties, the Chargers and Raiders, and as I just mentioned, the L.A. Rams taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And I'd love to start with that Rams-Niners game because while I know San Francisco's had the number of the Rams historically over the last five games, the Rams have won their last five straight. What's your outlook on this game so far? Well, I heard what you said. I know you need your 49ers to win here, but it just... (laughs) I know. And and frankly, everything you said is correct too, right? We've seen this time and time again. If I see the 49ers versus the Rams and I'm getting points with the 49ers, why would I not take those? History tells us to take those points. But if you look at the way these two teams are built, it seems like the Rams should be able to cover this, right? Where has been the biggest, I'm going to say, hole in the ship for them right now? Matt Stafford, right? Six interceptions in the last three weeks. We know he's leading the league in that. I think we're going to see at least one interception in this game. He's had six games a season with no interception. So that that's really the question mark for me here. It's the quarterbacks on both sides. Like you said, we don't know who's playing for the 49ers yet. And I need to know the answer to that question before I cast my bets. Right. Uh, so Jimmy Garoppolo is his thumb going to be okay. They said that he's been back at practice for his second consecutive day. And on Wednesday, they asked him, how's it feel to throw with, you know, a torn thumb. And he said it, hurts okay and there i censored myself bleep, for you bleep so it hurts it bleeping hurts yeah not yeah, ideal i didn't like it, imagine that. yeah imagine but so when i don't know who's going to play quarterback on the other side too it leaves a lot of questions up in the air i don't think that we're going to see 
a huge difference necessarily. I mean, Trey Lance is going to have trouble against that Rams defense. We know that Aaron Donald on the other side, Juan Miller. Um, but without really knowing who the quarterback's going to be on the other side, it's really tough to handicap here. I hate a four and a half, but the only thing that I did see that I thought maybe was interesting is I did like what Danny Burke did. Danny Burke did a teaser, teased us up to 10 and a half with the 49ers. Then I'd feel like I have a nice little cushion, and I do think this is going to be a really close game. So four and a half is kind of an ugly number to have to settle with if you do want to back the Rams. It is an ugly number, and on I mean, for both sides, honestly, it feels that way. I did take the points with the 49ers, because it is so attractive. I think so much about how in the past they've won the time of possession battle in those five games. I think that it's like 11 more minutes they've had the ball. So it's just a matter of can Trey Lance handle that pressure and be able to control the offense the way he did. And similarly, Matt Stafford, not only does he lead the league in interceptions, he leads the league in pick sixes too, which can be problematic. But the Rams, obviously, with all of the pieces that they have brought in, are Super Bowl 56 or bust bound, right? Like that is the end-all be-all goal. What is your faith in the Rams come playoff time when they do get there? How? What's their longevity like, do you feel? Well, it's weird because I do feel like they're weirdly, what's the the playoff cliche? They're getting hot at the right time, Stormy. I feel like they're kind of starting to see those pieces settle back in. There was this middle section where people are like, what's going on, especially with the offense? And whenever the offense was having struggles, it obviously just put more pressure on the defense. And then we started to see a little bit of holes and cracks in the defense. The defensive issues for me were never really a big concern. I felt like once the offense got going again, that would sort itself out. And it did. So we had that weird midseason where Von Miller comes in, OBJ comes in, um, we lose uh, a wide receiver, we bring in a new wide receiver. We just lost Daryl Henderson, so no Daryl Henderson for this game, but we're going to have Cam Akers back from his Achilles tear. So there's so many moving parts to this offense that now that I'm thinking that Sean McVay is actually going to be able to get this going how he wants to. There's no reason, like you said, this is a team that's built to win now. There's no reason this team is not built to make it to a Super Bowl this year. But it's just going to be, can they get that offense humming the way they need to? And they have all the pieces, so it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It's a team that I think if you face them in the postseason, you'd certainly be a little bit worried. Um, the other big game, of course, I think maybe the biggest game of the entire weekend, Chargers, who are three-point road favorites, coming here to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. And, and as much as I know, we would love the playoff scenario where the Jags upset the Colts and we see the Raiders and Chargers kneel down all game for a tie, even though uh, Brandon Staley obviously came out and said that, hey, we're not going to play for a tie. We're going to play to win. And these are rivals that hate each other, yada, yada, yada. Um, what is your level of trust, though, or faith in the Chargers? I think these are both two teams that have been inconsistent all year to this point, but the Chargers obviously had a big edge in the earlier meeting this year. Right. Well, when we talk about that, I actually thought that game was more recent, but it was week four, Stormy. It was week four. And also on the subject of the tie, can you imagine? I don't even think that they could coordinate that. If they were actually trying to tie. Can you imagine two NFL teams trying to coordinate that? Danielle, so my thing is I can see if it's like a 16-16 game late and the Jags did have the upset earlier, like maybe just like that eye looking back and forth. But they're like, no, we hate each other. And Staley says, Herbert, chuck it downfield. You know, just one of those. Anyways, that's how my mind works. <laughs> I'm just, I'm imagining like someone opening the door for you, but they're really far away. And you're like, no, you, you. And it's just awkward. No, you go. No, no, we'll go. No, you. Yeah. So I don't think that's actually going to happen, even though it's fun to talk about. Right. Uh, but when we talk about this game, like I said, it was week four. And so a lot, a lot has changed. For example, that Ra Raiders offense has been up and down all season. And most recently it's been down. What's been working well for them is defending against the run. That's going to give trouble to Austin Eckler, who actually had a really big game against them in week four. So 
even though that was a really long time ago, there are things that worked well for the Chargers team that they need to be able to duplicate to get this win again. And again, they won by like 14, right? So it's not like it was a tough win for them there. They held the Raiders to 48 net rushing yards in that game. That needs to happen again. Will it? I don't trust this Chargers rush defense with your life, Stormy. So, I mean, this is the one area that I'm, of course, always scared. I'm nervous. I love to bet rushing props on the other teams against the Chargers. Uh, but if they can kind of keep that in check, then that's going to be successful for them, obviously. And then they also really dominated time of possession in that game. They had 35 minutes to Raiders 25. So, obviously, hard for them to get on the board that way. And the Raiders offense has been really struggling to score lately. So, I think that if the Chargers can do some of those things and get Austin Eckler going as well, he had 117 rush yards in that week four matchup, then that's really going to take the pressure off Justin Herbert, who's going to do his Herbert things. Um, so, I do think the Chargers get this done. And it's hard because I hate betting a favorite here, but I think I'm going to have to. Road favorites are always a little bit tough. My biggest question mark, again, kind of similar with the Rams 49ers game, is just which version of these quarterbacks is going to show up. That's always how I feel. We've only got a little bit of time with you left, maybe about 45 seconds, but UCLA basketball hasn't played in a month. They're back tonight against Long Beach State. A huge number, though. Do we anticipate a little bit of rust? Can they cover the big number? Uh, well, Mick Cronin actually said earlier in the week they were running some sprints and some of the guys were in trash cans throwing up. So that's the condition of the team right now. I think we can all relate right now after the holidays. So um, it's going to be interesting, especially because Long Beach State is a very, very high-powered offense. Last time these two teams played this season, 179, pretty high scoring for a college basketball game. So I hope UCLA's defense has progressed since that third game of the season and we'll see something a little bit lower scoring. Well, I hope nobody throws up on the court. Thank you, Danielle. You're awesome. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Stormy. Some of the top games in the NFL. Dealing with those L.A. teams going to be a crazy one. I hope the 49ers can figure it out. Get that six straight. Kyle Shanahan against Sean McVay. Continue to dominate. That's what I need to see. I know that's not what Danielle thinks will happen, though. Stay with us on My Guys. More coming up. to my guys in the desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to My Guys in the Desert. This segment brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all that baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no batteries to charge, or leaky equipment to deal with either. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, they're spit-free, and they're available now in 10 varieties, spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, many more. Plus, for your convenience, every variety comes into strength, so you can easily find that satisfaction level that works for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. So it's never been easier to find your Zinn. Head on over to Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com F-I-N-D. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And just to let you know, it's Thirsty Thursday on the program, and your girl could not be more excited. Which college basketball program are we partying with? Tonight, Well, there is a marquee college basketball matchup in the Big Ten. Wisconsin minus two against the Iowa Hawkeyes. And my friends, we are throwing them back with the favorite. Wisconsin minus two all dang day, my friend. Okay, so listen to this. Wisconsin was a 13-point dog against number three Purdue on Monday. They won by five. They're 11-2 and two on the year. They're looking to carry that momentum back home to Kohl Center. The key for the Badgers is their star, Johnny Davis. Yes. 
They're eight and five against the number this year, but Davis did not play in two of those no cover situations. In eight of his last nine games, he's put up 20 or more points, including 37 against the Boilermakers on Monday night. I was going to pull in a lot of money because they are the better offensive team. They're number two in the country in points per possession. But what betters might not be taking into account, but your girl is, they're scoring 20 fewer points per 100 possessions on the road as opposed to at home. I think the Badgers have the edge on defense. Give me Wisconsin minus two for Thirsty Thursday pick of the week. To continue our college sports betting conversation, we bring in VEASAN's Aaron Moore, Point Spread Weekly contributor. Uh, how you doing, Aaron? Thanks for joining us. Very good, Stormy. Thanks for having me. Hope all is well. Yes, of course. I hope I'm not coming in too hot with energy right now. I'll try to tone no, it down. You, <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. Well, let's start with some more college hoops action. When you looked at the card for tonight, were there any games that really stood out to you? Yeah, there was. And, you know, that's the Big Ten as you're talking about the big game. But I think as college basketball betters, we have to look at all the different conferences, ones that don't get necessarily the same media attention. And for me, one of my conferences I like to look at is Conference USA. And there's a couple big Conference USA games going on tonight. And in particular, UAB. I think that's one of the teams that has not gotten the national attention it should be. A very good defensive team, a grind-out offensive team with the defense. I really like them, and they're catching two points on the road tonight. That's who I am looking at in particular. No, that's definitely good to note, especially if you have that much confidence in UAB. Maybe that's a, a team that I'll start looking at a little bit more closely. I also saw on, on your list Louisiana Tech. You might like laying the points against UTEP tonight. Yeah, so we're going Conference USA favorite and underdog. In the case of Louisiana Tech coming off some good victories as well, 11-3, uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. If I'm uh, suggesting look at UAB, then look in Conference USA, Kenneth Lofton Jr. for Louisiana Tech, very good offensive player. So for them, in, in case of the Bulldogs, giving the points, I like that tonight. So Conference USA is I really think when we talk about conferences, that's one that just doesn't get talked about. It doesn't have the major appeal like the Big Ten, the Big East, the ACC, and it doesn't have that small guy kind of attractiveness like the West Coast Conference might have. They're in between, and I think they often get overlooked in terms of media coverage, and that might help create some betting value because the books might not be getting a lot of attention from betters on those as well. No, it is really good perspective, especially in terms of strategy and honing in, finding your niche in terms of a conference. A similar, similarly, I really like betting the Mountain West Conference because I think they're similar in that group of five kind of under the radar league at times. Uh, I did go to San Diego State as well, so I have kind of a natural tie there. Um, in Point Spread Weekly this weekend on vcin.com, you wrote up a great article talking about how College basketball futures can be very tricky to bet, specifically risky, a little bit more difficult. But there was a conference future that you were looking at that you think is worth a chance. There is some good value on right now. Can you tell us about it? Sure. And to piggyback what you were talking about, the Mountain West, one of the other conferences that I look at as a very active college bas basketball better is the Atlantic 10. There are how many conferences? 30-plus conferences. You can't look at all of them and really have a lot of information that is going to help you 
become profitable in the long run. So you have to pick a few conferences. And for me, I like to look at the Atlantic 10. We can call that the East Coast version of the Mountain West Conference. And by looking at those future boards, there's Davidson is now 6-1 to one to win that conference. The favorite in the preseason, and it was a team that I wrote about in Point Spread Weekly, St. Bonaventure. There was a lot of steam for them. They had a couple returning players in Lofton and Osuni that were giving people the idea this could be that little Cinderella that could go far. They have not gone far. Lofton has had an ankle injury. They're just not the same team. And here is Davidson, Bob McKillop's squad, that plays that great offensive style, in and out, three-point shooting. They look analytically, that's what I broke down in the article, they look to be the best team in that conference now. And you can get them at a 6-1 to one price. So I look at that 6-1 to one for Davidson to win the A-10. I think that's one of the best college basketball futures on the board right now. No doubt some really great value there at 6-1. to one. Uh, And we talk about betting strategy with college, football, uh, with college basketball futures, but I know you took an interesting look in terms of college football futures as well. After last year's national championship, you placed a bet on Georgia and Alabama. Both tickets are live right now. What gave you the confidence to place those bets immediately after last year's national championship? Well, the confidence is the SEC. If there is a given in sports, just look at a given type of mentality of how good the SEC is at creating national champions or at least creating candidates for a national championship. And we look at, from a future standpoint, we want value. That's why that 6-1 to one number for Davidson looks so good. It's a great payout. But sometimes you just have to look at really what is in front of you. And now think about it. Here we are in January with the national championship, the, the playoff championship coming up. And there should be no surprise that it's Georgia and Alabama. It should not surprise us. So last year it was part of my strategy was to look at, I've got to make a bet on an SEC team to win the national championship. That looks to be one of the things that is I don't want to say a given in betting, but boy, is that almost a given that you're going to get an SEC team. And Alabama last year, right after the game, was about a two-and-a-half to one favorite. Certainly not a value play, but it was one of those plays that you had to look at with some confidence that it would have a long-term play. And the equation or the analogy that I would make is sometimes we bet and then we invest in stocks. We want to have penny stocks. We want to have big payouts. But at the same time, you need some treasury bonds. You need some municipal bonds. And I really think you look at Alabama right now, that is a blue chip treasury bond. You know you're going to get a return on it. And Georgia at 6-1 to one sure looks good right now as well. No doubt. And especially with the way that Georgia played throughout the course of the regular season, you weren't going to get that good of a number with how well they were, especially with that dominant defense we were talking about week in and week out. So now that it is actually coming close to game time, Monday night, the big shebang. Which side are you actually on? Which side do you believe in the most come game day? Well, here comes side. I'm going to look at it a little bit from a contrarian value that there's so much attention about Saban getting points. And that really should be the number one things betters look at right now is Saban's track record getting points. But if you look at the last two games for both of these teams, they're zigging and zagging. They are not being as predictable as you think a great team would be. 
There's the running that Alabama was able to do against Cincinnati versus the passing they were able to do against Georgia. And it's almost vice versa with Georgia their last couple games. So the way I'm looking at it is to take the under in this situation. And when these two teams played in the 2017 National Championship, it came under 50 points. The, the line is moving. It's about 52, I think the total is right now. It benefits both teams that have obviously so much familiarity with each other to play a little bit more of a grind-out game. Alabama has some injuries on the offensive line. I think it's in the best interest of both teams to do it a little bit different, and I can see this a little bit slower, so I'm going with the under. Excellent insight, Aaron. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Stormy. Good luck to you. Thank you. That's Aaron Moore of VEASAN and Point Spread Weekly. Make sure to check out his great article, like I said, um, with regards to those college basketball futures. Really interesting strategic standpoint, finding value where you can, following specific conferences. When we come back, VP of Operations here at Circa, host of Odds On, Mike Palm joins the show. We're going to talk all things Circa Contest in Survivor. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. New year, new betting special. Our all new big game, big dance special provides VSIN plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th, just $69. Sign up now, get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus Full access to everything on vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so you don't want to miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. Wrapping things up on My Guys in the Desert, I'm Stormy Tony as we welcome in VP of Operations here at Circa, host of Odds On from 11 to 12 Pacific. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? 
I'm so much better now that you're here. For the first time ever, week 18. Week Can you believe 18. it? And we're down to the five survivors. Oh, my gosh. So I was listening to Follow the Money earlier this morning <laughs> when Billy Chippis was on with Mitch and Polly. <laughs> what a character. And he's already got the money spent. He knows what he's doing. And not hedging. Not no hedging. Hedge. No hedge. He's got Kansas City uh, this weekend going for the extra million. Of course, you've got the team. You've got to do it. And he's going to double hammer Kansas City I don't know week. if he'll double Do you hammer. think? I mean, that's I what he know. said. I'd save my money, and if Kansas City won, I'd parlay the other teams my opponents took on the money line, right, and hope to lose because then my share of the $6 million would go up. If Kansas City oh, wins, what true. a spot he's in on Saturday afternoon. If the Chiefs take care of business in Denver, the least he can win is $1.53 million. Insane. What would you and your dad do if you, if you were in Billy Chippis' spot? Would you be hedging some on the Broncos? Would you be locking up a winner? I would. I think that I would mm -hmm. just because of the unknowns. It also is a really smart thing, though, of the NFL to have that game be played on Saturday so that they have something to play for so that the Chiefs will put mm -hmm. on a good show. Um, but I feel like you have to hedge. Like, I feel like I'm a, taking crazy pills that I think that way. I'm also not in the actual situation. And if he's such a firm believer that they're going to do it, he thinks that the Chiefs are going to win by 20 or 30, he's saying. House in Spain, house in Costa yep. Rica, quit his job. <laughs> he's very confident. He hasn't hedged one penny all year. He's just been, but now he's splitting it, right? He has a partner, and I met his partner uh, this morning. But doesn't he live in Dubai? Yeah, but he's here. He's, oh, here okay. for, he's here to watch the, awesome. the final weekend. He, he said he invited like 20 of his friends, too, to come to Vegas this weekend. He said maybe four or five will show up. But So he's 50-50 on this ticket, but. You know, he's in, he's in great shape, and this is why you do it, to get to this spot. I mean, it's amazing. So what else can you tell us about just the layout of who has what left, what's at stake? So so Billy and the, another entry named Mike Cool both have Kansas City. We're presuming they're going to use them. Um, return of Survivor, the guy that used Tennessee on that Thursday night against the 49ers, and, and could have, if Baker Mayfield could have got a field goal against Green Bay at the end of that game, won the whole $6 million himself, right? He's got Tampa, so we're assuming he's using Tampa. Uh, the fourth entry, Syracuse Hawkeyes has Tennessee available. I would think he would use Tennessee, a 10.5-point favorite at Houston. And then this poor Chris Piper, his only real option is like the football team. Oh, no. So he's going to have to, although the Giants have really packed it in. But he's going to have to ride with the Woofies and his share of hey, $6 million. I know one of your favorite segments here on My Guys in the Desert is Be Better. Boy. <laughs> and we had Taylor Heineke on that because he's got those incentives. If he gets the win, he gets an extra 125K. Let's get it for Taylor. Be better. What do you say? I say, how about you, Stormy? Blowing up on New Year's Day in Tampa Bay. Sam Pittman, John Daly. I mean, you were the star of the whole show. Forget Stop. that high scoring Rose Bowl. You. you look like you were having the time of your life. That was probably, I appreciate you saying that because that was probably one of like the funnest games I was a part of. One of like just the best days of yeah. me covering college football that I've had in general. And both teams were awesome. They made it so fun. Sam Pittman is a freaking character. <laughs> he took the microphone back from me in the post-game press conference and said, turn that damn jukebox on. <laughs> and it was electric. Everybody lit up. It was a lot of fun. I hope you had the I hope you had the Razorbacks. You're doing a great job. I did have the Razorbacks. I had them on a money line, a pretty big play, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, neither team really great defensively, but uh, they got the job done in the second half. And uh, that quarterback uh, is quite a talent. He can run the ball and throw the ball around. And uh, yeah. nobody, I mean, Arkansas hadn't won a, a conference game in years. They were picked yeah. at the bottom of the first the West. nine win what? season in a decade. Yeah, what a season! Everything really, really <laughs> cool to see what Sam Pittman's done for that program. What do you have going for the national championship? 
Well, uh, you know, we're going to have the watch party here and then out at Stadium Swim as well. We're not sure we might open up the, the lower level, depending on how much demand there is for the game. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the rematch. I don't know. I Georgia looked awful good against Michigan. I mean, they were dominant. Cincinnati was closer to Alabama than than did Michigan was to Georgia. I mean, that that was impressive. But then you have Kirby. He hasn't beaten Nick in four tries. So oh, that's you... the craziest thing. I can't get over the stat of the twenty-five to one Saban no. beating his former assistants four and zero against Kirby. The only loss he had to Jimbo was earlier this year. Um, it's just he's been so dominant against his former assistants. Were you surprised though? that despite what happened in the SEC championship game, Georgia was favored again. We opened it a pick. Yep. And the public bet it to that three. Is- I mean, that's tough. How do you lay three in that spot? I don't I can't lay three. I'd probably take a little bit of Alabama money line and just see how it goes. Like mattress Mac, you yeah. follow it with the one point two <laughs> mil on the tide plus one twenty five. You cover the Pac twelve Stormy. How much longer can they remain a power five conference? Oh, I mean Last time they won a bowl game was with Justin Herbert. I mean, how about the performance this year? Can we talk for a second, though, about what a season Utah had and how freaking close they were to winning the Rose Bowl and they just let it slip between their fingers? Why Kyle Winningham will never leave the Pac-12. I mean, he can he can, he can do that every year in that <laughs> in that I mean, I want the Pac-12 to be relevant. I want it so not. badly. Not. I'm hoping that with the transition at head coach at USC that the Trojans become to a better, you know, like, is that wrong in my thinking that they can reestablish a little bit of dominance, a little bit of shine? Uh, I think one of the key cogs there is with the Washington program being down. I mean, they were good for so long under Don James, and then Chris Peterson brought him back. That's the Jake Browning team the last time they made the playoff uh, in 2016, and they're just, they haven't been able to put it together. I mean, the best performance of the bowl season was UCLA pulling out less than five hours before kickoff in the Holiday Bowl. Stop. That's rude. That's their best that's performance rude. in the bowl season. I calls them as I sees them. How about Dave Dorn after that, by the way? Yeah. Well, they they claim they had gotten no notice there was even a, a thought that UCLA wouldn't be playing in the game. I haven't gotten your opinion on that whole situation, though, with regards to if a team had COVID or not, the NCAA is ruling on that. Because doesn't it automatically tell you the NCAA views the other bowls as lesser than if they have different rules than they do for the CFP games? Absolutely. So uh, how did you feel about it when did. you heard that, though? I was, I thought, I, I agreed not with the, you know, acronym that he thinks the NCAA yeah. stands for, but I understood where he's coming from. I don't understand the way they did it. I mean, they brought Rutgers, and they didn't need to bring Rutgers in. There were teams dropping out that they could have repitted in bowl games. You know what I mean? That yeah. were that were eligible. Although, you don't know, give Rutgers credit. They, they, you know, having not practiced for three weeks, gave them a game for a half. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the contest. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannibal Barca huh? continues. Well, how about him and Derbify? Hannibal Barca's first, Derbify second, Hannibal Barca third, Derbify fourth. Incredible, right? It makes me feel so inferior. <laughs> I had such a rough year. Paulie Howard has an entry, right? He's 55 and 30, and he's clinging to the bottom to like 3,000 at the at the bottom of the payout pool. I mean, these guys are 70%. It's crazy. And isn't as a similar thing, though, with the booby prize, the One, guy who's got that locked he's, up? He's even better, but he yeah, he's three games ahead going into the last week. So, I mean, he, he only needs to go three and two, which is bad, right? There's only actually two people that can even catch him. I told Mitch and Paul this morning, this guy, Jiggy Jack, that's 24 <laughs> and 61, is the real story of the whole contest what season. What a name. What a name. How about the fourth quarter? There's a ni- 19 and 1. There's an 18 and 2, 
A 17, 2, and 1, and then there's 13 guys at 17 and 3 as we come down well, to the quarterly prizes. I'm so curious what's going to happen, though, for this final week because this has got to be the hardest week for either side. You just don't know what's going to happen with all the COVID news that comes out, motivation, starting, sitting, what's happening? There's some stat I saw on Twitter this morning. I'm probably misquoting a little bit, but in the last five years. Yeah, you probably are. Teams, you probably are. I probably am because I don't have it in front of me. But teams <laughs> – that have nothing to play for on week 17 or the last week of the year are like 66% against the spread because the number over moves. It goes too much, right? And why they just the, need to win. Yeah, I'm, but, you know, why are the – look, here's a, here's a perfect example. The Falcons are getting four and a half at home from the Saints, right, because the Falcons are out of it, and the Saints could win and possibly be in if the 49ers lose. There's not difference, much difference between these teams, mm-hmm. and they hate each other. And, and the Atlanta's Falcons at won home. Earlier this and the, year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think the Falcons are going to win this game. You can get four and a half with the Falcons because they're, you know, yeah. nothing to play for. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Well, I was looking at some of the big numbers, like the Jets and Bills, for example. I know the Bills, every time they've played lesser competition, have blown them out, but there's going to be weather. The Jets just played such a competitive game against Tampa. Your little guy looked good at quarterbacking against, My the, little guy. against Zach Wilson. <laughs> no, they should have won that game. They, they were have. ahead two scores in the second Absolutely half. Should have. I don't know why they tried to run the ball. You can't run on the Bucks. Just keep passing the ball. You were moving the ball every drive. And then maybe they could, could have kicked a field goal there on fourth and two instead of trying to run mm-hmm. a sneak from two yards away. But uh, they played a great game on Sunday. No, they did. It was fun. Another one I was interested in. Steelers. What do you think about the Steelers and the Ravens? Ah, we ought to go. Dang it, <laughs> Stephanie's yelling at me. This time went by too fast. Lots of fun with you, Mike. Appreciate you. Check him out on Odds On 11 to 12 Pacific weekdays. That's going to do it for my guys in the desert. Rush Hour and Danny Burke are next. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.